0: Good morning, church. Uh, my name is Mike, have you heard? And uh, God has given me a few beautiful gifts. The first one, He gave me Jesus. So, the very excellent gift. The first gift that I received from God is my salvation through Jesus Christ. Then, He gave me the next awesome gift, which I'm married to the Miss Universe. Uh, yeah, if you need an autograph after service, please come to me, you know. I can give you access to the Miss Universe. Uh, yeah, she is so beautiful, my wife. My wife's name is, uh, is Christelle. We've been married for 15 years now. And our firstborn is Mikris, Is here. Mikris, can you say hi? Uh, hi. That's hi have two more children who are uh, in kids' church now. I'm really blessed to be uh, here today. We, uh, we've been working with Pastor Darren and Pastor Brown for the last three years. We're involved a lot in, in Tamworth. We live in Tamworth, but we pastor the church in Canada. So uh, we, we we love these two people, Pastor Darren and Pastor Bron. They are great leaders, and we thank God for connecting us with them. I also want to say thank you to the eldership uh, here for allowing us to be here. So thank you very much. Um, I've been told that I have 30 minutes. Another one said I have 30 to to 40. So which one am I supposed to follow? (laughs) The first one. Yes, the first one. (laughs) Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence here. We came expectant to receive from you. Your touch. Lord, we know that some of us are here, but we have challenges. We've just he- heard about Charmaine, who is going through a challenge of cancer. And, and other people are going through other kinds of challenges. But, Holy Spirit, we lay all our burdens at your feet. Touch us this morning. Heal us this morning. Bless us this morning. Restore us this morning. Speak the truth to our heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Good. So I'm going to, to share with you a topic that I, I titled, uh, Healed by Grace Through Faith. So This is... Healed from anything. It can be physical healing, or spiritual healing, or emotional healing, or financial healing, or just any healing. Any anything that Jesus needs to heal in your life. It's all done by grace. We don't deserve it. Through faith. When I was a child, there used to be this man on the on the on the street who was not able to talk to speak. And as children, we, we used to say hello to him in signs. Like, just do something, and then he would smile and also give you a sign. And we knew he can't talk. He, he, he could just say, ba 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 or something like that. He couldn't really articulate words. He, he, he couldn't speak. And we grew up knowing that that guy could not speak. And one day he he came to church and I saw the preacher calling him in the front and the preacher prayed for him. And I could sense the presence of God in the room. And then they gave him the microphone and they asked him to repeat this word. For the first time in my life, I saw that guy saying word in Swahili, God is Mungu, Jesus is Yesu. And he was, he was repeating all those words. Jesus, God, thank you. From that day, he, the guy started to talk, to speak again. I was shocked as an 11-year-old boy that God can heal. God can heal because I knew this guy before. I saw how it happened, it all happened in my eyes, and it I could hear him talking, and after that, when we saw him on the street, we say hello, and we we'll say back hello. From then I believe that God can do more than what we can imagine. God can heal, can restore can bless. He can do it. I believe that whatever miracle that is recorded in the Bible is true. I believe that. I believe that miracles are real and divine healing is real. Some people in the Bible were healed by grace. They did not exercise any faith. Like the guy who was uh, demon-possessed, he was hiding in the cemeteries, and then Jesus saw him and then delivered him. You know, there's no really faith (laughs) required for, for that guy. He just, by grace, Jesus saw him and healed him by grace. He did not ask for it. So we believe that happens. Jesus can heal by grace. There is also another group of people who... They they knew who Jesus was. They they believed Jesus can heal. They ran to him. They they, they requested, they asked, they pleaded with him to heal them. And that group of people, they were healed, not only by grace, but through faith. And I think this is the group of people we're going to talk about today. We're not going to wait until Jesus does it by grace only. Sometimes you feel like, I need to do something. I'm in a situation where I need to do something for a miracle to happen. And that is the group of people I'm going to talk about tonight. Like the lady who went to Jesus and with the issue of blood for 12 years and just wanted, is it 12? Yes, 12. Wanted to touch Jesus' robe and got her healing. Maybe that's your situation. Maybe you are in a situation where you need God to do something. You feel like, God, without you, I'm lost. If you do nothing, I'm dead. If you do nothing, I'm confused. That is the group of people I want to speak to tonight. People who know Jesus can heal. They need to do something about it. They're not going to wait until it happens by chance. They know they need to do something. So that God can answer their prayers. If you are here, I want to speak to you today. Faith is the bridge between the sick person with their healing. It's the bridge between us and our miracles. It's the bridge between you and your destiny. What God has planned for you. Faith is the only currency that Jesus deals with. God does not deal in dollars. God does not deal in pounds. He doesn't take franc from Congo. That's where I am from. Jesus does not take Australian dollars. He takes faith. That the currency that Jesus deals with, he exchanges things through faith. The Bible says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. So, what is faith? And how can one get faith? I know we have many scholars here. You have, re- you have been reading the Bible for long. So let me remind you of a few things before I dive into what, what the Lord has put in my heart to- today. Hebrews 11, 1, 2, 3. We all know this scripture maybe. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commanded for. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command. So that what is seen was not made out of what is visible. In other words, faith is the unshakable confidence in the reality of the unseen. It's not having an idea about something. It's not having an information about something. It is rather having an unshakable confidence in that thing. Faith is the certainty of God's yet fulfilled promises. The promise is unseen and the certainty is faith. As soon as something becomes tangible, it stops being the object of faith. We can't talk about faith for something we have seen, something we've touched. We talk about faith when we haven't seen it yet. I don't have faith that I'm married to the miss universe. I know it. It's here. I used to have faith that one day I will and it happened. You have something in reality something Unseen, you are expecting you are praying for faith is the certainty that it will happen you see it in faith you touch it in faith but in in this tangible world natural world it's not yet here the cancer is still there the pain is still there the issue is still there the problem is still there but in your heart you see your healing you see the solution that's called faith Certainty. Verse 2 says, the message version says, the act of faith is what distinguished our ancestors. It sets them above the crowd. Faith distinguished two, group, two groups of people. Our ancestors, that the Bible is talking about here, they were set above the crowd because they believed god all the men and women of faith we know they were human beings like us the only thing that set them set them above the crowd is the fact that they chose to believe they chose to live like god is right they acted like god's word was telling the truth They knew God's promise. Then they chose to live like that promise was true. You can choose to believe God's promise or not. Faith is living like God's is true and everybody else a liar. Faith is choosing to believe that God's word is true and our circumstances are lying. Verse 3, by faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was made out of what was visible. Was not made, sorry, out of what was visible. So, God has faith in himself. He formed the universe out of the unseen because he had faith in his own word. When God said, let there be light, he believed light will happen. Does that make sense? God does not, he was not in doubt of what he was saying. When he said, let there be light, is it going to happen or not? No. When God says, let there be light, he knows it's going to happen. He doesn't doubt himself. If we want to experience miracles, we need to believe in God the same way he believes in himself. We just need to agree that his word is true. Believing in Jesus requires believing in his ability to save, his ability to heal, his ability to restore, his ability to bless, his ability, his ability to save. If you believe Jesus, don't just believe in a romantic man called Jesus. He loves me so much. Hallelujah. You need to believe in his power, he can heal he can save, he can restore, he can protect. Romans twelve three. I will jump at the end and read this. In accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. So I want to make a point before I go into the next part of this message. Is that every believer has some faith. So when we are talking about faith, I believe that if you have surrendered your love to Jesus, you did it because you believed. So somehow, somewhere, everybody in this room has some faith. You do have it. I'm not talking to a group of people, the the elders only. I'm not talking to the pastors only or to the ladies only who will go to shine. All of us have some faith. We do. We do. God has given to each one of us the ability to trust the future he has designed for us. The size of that ability, the size of that faith does not matter. It is the presence of it that matters. Let me make that clear. The size of your faith does not matter. I will prove it. It is the presence of faith that matters. If you have some, you are qualified to see miracles. In Matthew chapter 17 verse 20, he replied, Because you have so little faith, truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will be moved, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. I went to Hillsong Conference 2017, 2018, maybe 2017. And they gave to every participant, every delegate, an envelope with a mustard seed in it. Who was there? Okay. They gave us an envelope with a mustard seed in it. Very small, tiny seed. And Jesus is saying, if you have faith... As small as that small seed, you can move a mountain. Jesus is not talking about the size. He's not, he's not expecting you to have this big faith for you to move mountains in your life. He you just wants the presence of it as long as you believe. Matthew chapter 14, 25 to 31. This story is about Peter. And I will, I will go at the end again because I know some of you, you know the story. Peter see Jesus, sees Jesus. He wants to walk on water. He asks Jesus to allow him. Let me read this. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter go down out of the boat, walked on the water and came towards Jesus. I want to stop to pause there. The ability to walk on water, did it come from Jesus or from Peter. Wrong answer. Peter said, if it's you, let me read that again. (laughs) I love this. If it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on water. Come, he said. Peter walked on water. You can see here that it is Peter, Peter's faith, That's made him walk on water. Jesus did not say, Walk on water. Just say, Uh uh, come. I will make my point as I go. (laughs) Just come. If it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. Jesus said, Come. And Peter took it. Okay. I will just, I know it's you. Now I'm walking. Peter's faith made him walk. We will understand as we go. Immediately, oh, then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink. Cried out, "Lord, save me!" Immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. "You of little faith," he said. "Why did you doubt?" Okay. You of little faith. Peter had little faith before. Peter had had little faith after. What happened in between? The faith was there before. The faith was there after. Okay. He did not lose his faith because Jesus is telling him, you of little faith, after. After the event, Jesus says, you of little faith. Why did you lose your faith? No. Why did you doubt? So the presence of faith was there and the presence of doubt was there. We don't lose our faith when we doubt. It's still there. You still believe God can do. But you just doubt. How is it going to happen? Are are we together? Because Jesus is calling him, you of little faith, after the event, not before the event. So the faith was there. He walked on water. Then he doubted. And Jesus makes that statement, you of little faith, after the event. His faith was still there. But he doubted. So we, this, will, this will bring us to four points I want to talk to discuss before we finish. Before we finish. Four attitudes the enemy uses to nullify your faith. Your faith can be there, but it's like a force. On one side, there will be one force pulling, and the other side, there will be another force pulling. You can still have faith, but there is the opposite faith. If your faith is strong, level five, and you have another force that is pulling level five, it won't work. Your faith, you need to deal with the other side so that your faith can work, can be stronger than the other side. So, there are four attitudes that nullify our faith in our heart. And that is what I want to give you this morning. The first one we've been discussing, that is doubt. Doubt feeds on lack of information. Doubt is fed by ignorance. Ignorance. I know this concept they interlap, so I will talk about them. But in, in in English, we don't have correct words to really set the difference between these four words. But just bear with me; I think it will make sense by the time we finish. Thomas believed Jesus. Thomas was one of the twelve. Let's say the eleven after Judah, living. He heard Jesus talking about his death and resurrection. He knew Jesus is the son of God. He knew Jesus will, raise, will be raised again. He knew all that. He knew that. When it happened, it doesn't mean Thomas did not believe it can happen. He had a problem believing it has happened. The reason he was following him was because he believed in him. But the reason he couldn't believe he has been raised again is because he lacked an information somewhere that other people had. When you ask questions like Jesus, are you willing to heal me? Jesus, do you care about me? Jesus, can you change the situation? It doesn't mean you don't believe Jesus can. You do believe Jesus can, but you are not sure if He can do it in this particular moment, in this particular situation. You doubt. That is doubt. Your problem is, is is based on lack of information. You know Jesus can heal, but you don't know he can heal now. That's doubt. That's the concept of doubt. You know Jesus loves you, but you don't know how much he loves you. You know Jesus is the healer, but you lack this particular information that he is willing to heal you. Am I making sense there? It is one thing to believe Jesus is the healer. It's another thing to believe that he is willing to heal me. He loves me enough to deliver me. He loves me enough to restore my marriage. He loves me enough. It is one thing to know he can restore marriages. We see that on TV. We watch testimonies. We hear people in church come and give testimonies. God has restored me. God has blessed me. God has done this for me. It's one thing to know he can. It's another thing to know that he's going to do it for me. And that is doubt. You are missing one part of the information in your brain or in your heart. You know he can, but can he do it for me? That is called doubt. Peter knew that Jesus is walking on water. Peter knew that it's possible to walk on water. But he knew also that this for me. It is for me. Maybe that's your situation today. Maybe you believe God as an almighty God. He's only almighty when we talk about history. When it comes to your own life, you don't feel the almighty. Why? Because there is a piece of information that is missing in your heart. So it's pulling your faith. You believe, but you doubt. You believe, but you doubt. It's okay to doubt. You know, it's okay to doubt. It's okay to doubt because when we doubt, we seek more information. We seek more. We study. We read the Bible. We speak to more mature believers. They help us. It's okay to doubt. But it's not okay to believe in your doubt. It's not okay. It's dangerous to believe in your doubt. Your doubt will nullify your faith completely if you believe in it. If you doubt, then you seek right information. God will give you the answer. People will help you. But if you believe in your doubt, it leads to unbelief. So let's go there. Unbelief is the second attitude that nullifies our faith. It feeds on wrong belief. Unbelief feeds on wrong belief. In Mark 9, 17 to 24. You can have faith and unbelief in the same heart. A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought my son, who is possessed by by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him in the ground, to the ground. He forms at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked for disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. You unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into the convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into fire or whatever to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for one who believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. Contradiction. I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. What does that mean? I believe you can. But at the same time, I believe in something else. The the boy's father understood that there are two forces in his heart. On one side, he believed in Jesus. And on the other side, he believed in facts and circumstances. He believed in reality in front of him. He believed he could see the danger, the damage that the sickness has done to his son. He believed in both. He needed his faith into Jesus to overcome the power of his faith in the situation. Most of the times, we fail to receive our healing or miracle in our life, not because we don't believe God, but simply because we believe in something else more than we believe in the power of Jesus. We believe in the reality ahead of us. We believe in the circumstances. Look, with the rise of technology, which is also a blessing from God, humanity has leaned more towards What medicine can do more than what God can do. And I'm not against medicine because I know God has revealed it to us. I believe science is a revelation from God. I believe doctors have been given wisdom by God to to solve problems that humanity can solve. The danger is we are not supposed to believe more in science than how we believe in God. Because God created science. If science says no, God can still say yes. God can overpower science. We can say yes, but we don't believe it. Once your doctor says you are dead, even if you are still blinking, you are still breathing, you feel dead. And you begin really to die. Like to, yeah, I'm gone. Why? Why? Because science has taken all our worship. Science has taken all our attention. And I, I believe in science personally. I believe in science. I believe I go to the doctor, I get checked, and I do whatever science requires to do. But I still believe God can override, can overpower science. When God says no, science says yes, I will go with God. When God says yes, science says no, I will go with God. But because I know God is above science. Unfortunately, we believe in our situation more than we believe in God. This father believed in God. Don't blame, don't judge him. He believed in Jesus. At the same time, put yourself in his shoes. He could see his son on the floor. He could see the forming. He could see the damage. He could see everything. He also believed, this will kill my son. He believed in it. So he got, he got stuck in between belief and unbelief. Unbelief is not a lack of belief. Unbelief is believing in something else as much as you believe in God. Your faith is in conflict with your unbelief simply because you believe in that situation more than you believe in the power of God. Unbelief is believing in fact. Instead of truth. When you believe in something else rather than God's word, to the point where you anticipate it to happen. Now, this is the third, th- the third point. The first one is you don't have enough information. So that is doubt. You need just to be informed. And your doubt will go. But if you believe in your doubt you cause unbelief. Because now you believe in fact. You believe in what is happening. You believe in in, in the reality before you instead of the unseen that faith requires. If you believe in the seen more than in the unseen, according to God's word, that is called unbelief. Do you know the difference between facts and truth? Fact and truth? Truth can be Fact. But not all facts are truth. Satan uses facts. Jesus always uses the truth. Fact is what people can prove. Truth is what God speaks. We can prove facts. And sometimes truth can be fact, factual. What science can prove is facts. What Jesus says is truth. There is always a contradiction sometimes because Jesus can say you are healed and the doctor can say you are dead. One is fact, one is truth. Truth will always overcome. But if you believe in your facts to the point where you anticipate it to happen, You begin to expect it to happen. It is called fear. That's the third point. Fear is expecting the worst to happen. This is no doubt anymore. This is not unbelief anymore. This is now... "Ah, It's coming. It's coming to me. Fear feeds on the anticipation of worse. According to some theologians, the statement fear not or similar to it occurs 365 times in the Bible. Some theologians say that. Other they say it's only 70 times. Okay, let's take the small one 70 times. Fear not in the Bible, 70 times. Even if it's only 70 times. <laughs> It still, it still takes more than one month. Every day, fear not. Every time, it takes more than twenty-four hours per day. Fear not. Fear not. Fear not. In the Bible, Jesus is saying, "Fear not. Fear not. Fear not. Fear not. Fear not." More than seventy times. That means, for every situation in your life, Jesus is saying, "Don't anticipate the worst." Don't expect the worst. Always expect the best from me. No matter what happens, God is saying, always expect the best from me. It doesn't mean we will not face danger. It doesn't mean we'll not fall sick. It doesn't mean we'll not face uh, surgeries. It doesn't mean we are not going to pray to, 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 to face divorces and challenges. He's just saying, "Everything you are going through anticipates the best from me. Because that's what the devil does. He wants to feed you with the anticipation of the worst, and the more you believe in the worst, the more it happens. Fear attracts. Fear attracts. Fear is another form of faith. It attracts. It's a belief. Fear is a belief. You believe in the worst. You attract the worst. You believe in God. You attract God's will. If you believe in God's word, you live by faith. That's why the Bible says my judge shall live by faith. He will believe the word of God. That's why. Our elders, our ancestors, they lived above others because they believed, they lived as if God's word is true. Abraham lived as if God's word is true. And everybody, a liar. God does not want us to spend our lives preoccupied by the next worst thing that may happen to us. Some, some of us are like that. We always check what's going, what's going to go wrong next. Is it my child or my finances? Maybe I will be fired. Maybe the church will just collapse. Maybe. Look at the way things are going now. It seems like, yeah, we are almost at the end. Yeah, my life, I don't know. Maybe this wife will divorce me. Look at the way she's looking at me. Sometimes we live life like this, and we always anticipate something to go wrong, something to go wrong, and we live in fear. It doesn't mean we'll ignore problems or pain. David did not ignore the danger around him when he said, Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protects me and comforts me. When David said that, he was not ignoring the problem. He acknowledged, in fact, he acknowledged the problem. Then he said, even when I walk through it, I will not fear. That means I will not anticipate the worst, even though I'm walking through it. Faith finds God's word, believes it, speaks it, and acts upon it. When God says you are healed... Don't look at your medical reports. Look at the word of God. When you choose to reject the word of God, you welcome something. else. that's my last point. When God says you are healed and you choose to reject that, you welcome and disbelief. Disbelief. I said this word will overlap, but I think it helps you to understand the concept. The last point is disbelief. This is not fear, this is not unbelief, this is not uh, doubt, this is now disbelief. You choose to reject the word of God. It's a choice you make. When you say God cannot heal this, God cannot change this. (laughs) Some people will say, you don't know my husband. Even God cannot change him. I've tried everything. Pastors have prayed for him. The elders have prayed for him. This one, even God can't. That is disbelief. You know some people like that. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's you. (laughs) We get, you know, sometimes I laugh but you put yourself in the shoes of some people. You may be struggling with something for the last 20 years to the point where you have said, This one, even God can't. You may say it with your mouth, but in your heart, that is your final decision. You've come to that place where you said, even praying, I will not going to pray for this anymore. What does it mean? When you stop praying for something, it means you believe God cannot change it anymore. I've been praying for this for the last 30 years. Now I know, even God can't. In your heart, you can say it. You reject the truth. I want to end here. What are you struggling with? Is it doubt? Is it unbelief? Is it fear? Is it disbelief? We receive faith. By grace, but we apply faith by choice. You receive it by the grace of God. I said everyone in this room has a portion, but we apply it as a choice in our lives. Do you believe Jesus can heal? Do you believe Jesus can heal you today and now? Church, I want us to believe together for shaman. Jesus can heal. He has done it, he's doing it, and he will do it again. Let's believe God together. God can use the wisdom of man. He can use the doctors. He can use surgery. But we believe God is our healer. He has done it before and he will do it again. Let me pray for the church. Let me pray for you. If you are going through a situation, you don't know a way out. You don't see a way out. You don't know the solution. You You are confused. God is asking you to apply your faith. Don't quit. Don't fear. The worst will happen to you.